Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast. I'm Carlos. Joining me, a fellow Pac-12 basketball sicko, Greg. This uh, is a day in Pac-12 basketball. <laughs> One of the days of all time. <laughs> uh, it's just me and Greg. Rat, Reed and Matt are losers who only like football and grapes got day drunk and is apparently experiencing a hangover right now. <laughs> Very funny. Imagine drinking during the day and getting hungover well, at night. Know. That's, that's Does horrible. this count as a hangover? I mean, like... I mean, I'm assuming she'd stop drinking, right? You drink enough, you're gonna feel gross. <laughs> I don't think you need to... You need, yeah. I don't think you need to wake up the next morning for that to happen. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, just the basketball boys again on this one. Uh, today's show, we're gonna do a little bit of football talk, mostly realignment. Uh, some rumors dropped that SDSU was joining the Pac-12, so we'll talk about that possibility, the report itself. We'll talk about opening day of the Pac-12. We'll talk about how we can fix opening day. But first, leave us a far, 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 far. a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you're new, new to No Truck Stops because uh, you were waiting for hoop season for some reason, well, now is your time to juice us up and give us five stars and leave us a written review if you like our basketball episodes. And finally, on our Patreon, we've got more football content. Maybe we'll do some more basketball content on our Patreon soon. Uh, still, it's not too late to read my big, long, written Pac-12 basketball preview on every single team. That you can find and all of our other content at notruckstops.com. All right. Before we get right into Pac-12 basketball and uh, you know, talking about opening day and talking about all of the games. I thought we could start with a little bit of news. So let's uh, let's take a truck stop. This one is uh, both football and basketball related. Dan Patrick reported, quote unquote, that uh, SDSU was joining the Pac-12 and an announcement was coming this week. Several college football reporters came out to say that the report was incorrect and that there was no such announcement coming. Uh, personally, I have seen Dan Patrick talk about college football like four times in my entire life. So I'm going to call bullshit on this, but let's discuss the idea and the possibility. It's out there now. So, Greg, do you think SDSU would be a good fit for the Pac-12? In terms of football and in terms of revenue, doesn't move the needle at all. Do not care at all. It it does it does nothing for me. In fact, I'd probably rather not add them. Okay. However, if we just want to lean into being a basketball conference, ooh, interesting, could be a lot of fun. SDSU is a great basketball program, uh, and it would be a great ad for that reason. But outside of that, I don't like San Diego State uh, rape apology rape protectors. Oh yes, good point. Good point. That's a good point. Uh, I didn't like them before that, but I like them less now. Uh, so it, it doesn't excite me. I don't like it. I'm not excited. I'm not happy about it. I'm just, I'm mostly indifferent. No realignment mo- news that is adding a Mountain West team moves the needle in any real way. Yeah, I think that probably sounds about right. I, I think you're, it's a good point about the sort of protecting, what's his name, Matt? Matt Ariza and two of his teammates whose names escape me. Matt Ariza, two of his teammates. Uh, yeah, the, the protecting they did uh, and cover-up of they that that uh, of their uh, committing of sexual assault and rape. Very, very bad. Uh, and on top of that, you know, you're right, they probably don't move the needle a ton. Basketball-wise, though, like if the Pac-12 was like, hey, let's just go get Gonzaga and get SDSU, mm-hmm. would be a very good basketball league. 
Arizona's still there. It would be a there. great basketball league. Oregon's there. Uh, Colorado will still be a basketball, you know, relevant, I think, in basketball. So from a basketball perspective, it's great. You've got those, like, four teams who will always be good in Arizona, Gonzaga, Oregon, San Diego State. And I assume San Diego State will be more consistently good in uh, a high major conference. Then the, you it doesn't know. matter to you that uh, that San Diego State just built a really nice football stadium. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't change anything. They have the facilities, you know. The inter- facilities seem to matter. Sure, they, they've got the facilities, but I mean, like, I'm just thinking in terms of like what revenue do they add? Yeah, uh, and I don't think they do add revenue. I get people talk about the market of San Diego State of San Diego, but do we really think that's going to be a needle mover? Because I don't. San Diego's not a big market, but. I think the point is to get back into some of the L.A. market. San Diego kind of gives you that. It's just like, who in L.A. is watching San Diego State football games, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Okay. So you're that, you're that's on it. the problem I have with it. But, like, if it happens, I'll be excited for the basketball games. I'll be excited for the basketball games, and I'll just transition more into a Pac-12 basketball fan. Pac-12? <laughs> Pac-12 Twitter was kind of... They were buzzing about this. They were, like, they were happy about it. I think it's because they want to... I think they want excuses to visit San Diego. I think they just want any news. Mm. Uh, they want like hungry. to see see things that make it sound like you know everything's good. We're not all we're on we're not all sad. Uh, the world isn't ending, <laughs> and I think that's the reason they were excited because like I I can't think of a reason to be excited for that. I get San Diego. I really like. Uh, I've been there twice, once recently. You know, for your wedding. Uh, just I just doesn't do much for the I conference. Just, yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Well, there was that. We'll see how that shakes out. I'm almost almost certainly Dan Patrick was saying it was like by the end of this week, and I was like, yeah, yeah that's, that's that is that's actually that's not insane. true. That is very much not true. <laughs> They're gonna wait for the uh, official announcement on the UC Regents. They're gonna wait to. I don't know if they'd wait to announce their TV deal. That one, I'm sort of like. They could say, hey, we're, we have an agreement to add this team, but we're going to like put that into the TV deal. Uh, like I feel like it could go the reverse there, but they're not doing it before the UC Regents mm-hmm. is like, no, nah, UCLA can go. So, uh, which they probably will, but still. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Pac-12 basketball. Before we get to recaps, uh, I want to I ask you about fixing Pac-12 opening day. We had... 12 games, all 12 teams in action. Absolutely none of these games were interesting on their faces. Yes, USC lost. We'll get to that. But, like, no big names, no intriguing tests, none of that. There was nothing here that you just sort of said, ooh, we've got to circle that one. That one's must-watch. We had 12 bye games, basically. So, personally, for me, I feel like this is a problem. Like, college tip-off, college basketball tip-off should be a celebration. Uh, I I think it's really hard to get people hyped for Pac-12 basketball, uh, when this is the slate we're working with. Like, this is the thing that we're saying, yes, Pac-12 opening day, and this is what we're getting. Like, that, it just feels dumb. So I wanted to get mm-hmm. your ideas, Greg. What do you think the Pac-12 can do to fix this? Do you think it even needs fixing? So, yeah, the problem here is, like, the obvious answer is just to play better teams on opening day, but it's just not really how the sport works. How many marquee matchups do you have on opening day of college basketball? Almost none. They're almost none. Yeah. Uh, and so I really don't think that there is a option that will make it especially entertaining unless you can get more games against mid-majors rather than low-majors mm. on that opening day. Like, 
more team like more teams in the Pac-12 playing teams at Tulsa's level. Mm-hmm. I think would be good because I I'm, I was actually intrigued by the Oregon State Tulsa game uh, coming into this, uh, and I I would like maybe if they had uh, showcased the Oregon State Tulsa game a little bit more. Uh, maybe you can't do that because you know it won't draw, but it's the Pac-12 network, and so nothing's gonna draw. Uh, just. I wish they had put that game a little bit earlier so more people could watch it because it's probably going to be one of the better games of the day uh, just with like the level those teams are at. Mm. Tulsa's the highest level opponent anyone's playing in the Pac-12, I think. Um, I'd also like it if they had UCLA playing earlier. Like UCLA is your marquee, your marquee name. Uh, make it so more people can watch them. Although with this particular opening day, that's a little bit hard because uh, it's a doubleheader with the women's uh, basketball team for UCLA also playing tonight. And so back themselves, well, not back themselves into a corner. It's just unfortunate timing with election day tomorrow, so they can't play. But yeah, it is what it is. I don't really think there is an option that makes opening day as exciting as it is in football, though. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, in football, there's still... We get some marquee games, but usually they're just, you know, they're the same mm-hmm. by games, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so we still get that issue. The problem is, is that in college football, I don't know, there's just so few of the games, there's 12 games that you kind of have to uh, Yeah, that's a good those. point. They all feel better. Yeah. Uh, and they all matter. And we do get usually one real, like, very exciting matchup. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've thought about this. You're right. Like, where are the marquee matchups going to come? I kind of feel like the Pac-12, like, one idea I had was the Pac-12 should do, like, a Mountain West challenge or something, right? Like, I would love that. I would love that. That would be really cool. The Mountain West would be totally up for it. Uh, I know that, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this stuff, like, has to do with teams not playing each other. And, you know, I'm sure that there's probably some bad blood between some of these programs or UCLA doesn't want to play. UCLA will play San Diego State sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's like try to see if you can get a Mountain West challenge just on opening day, and 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 I don't even think it needs to be all twelve. Like I don't think all twelve teams need to play yeah, just a day. couple, yeah. like multiple matchups against like a solid mid-major conference rather than uh, rather than just a ton of bottom feeders in D one. Like you can do much better than where we're at right now. And the fact that it would be like a conference challenge would add a little bit more to it, like more to talk about, uh, more to be interested by. Like you know, the Pac-12 went uh, three and one in the Mountain mm-hmm. West conference, uh, Mountain West Challenge this year. It would be way more fun, and I think that is something that's feasible or something like it. Yeah, anything, even if it's honestly, even if it's just two games. You know, like NBA opening night has like two really good marquee games to mm-hmm. start, right? players that you want to see games that you want to see like let's just do like ucla versus unlv and arizona versus san diego state opening day like i get it those two teams like those two programs want to like get a get a buy game early to to work out their kinks but like this is what exhibition games are for anyway right ucla and arizona had their exhibition games why not? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why not just do something for the fans and just say like opening day, two marquee matchups, and then and then do all your buy games on like a Thursday, right? Um, and like as a sport, I don't understand why college basketball doesn't try and get better matchups on opening day. It doesn't make sense. No. Like it always leads to us entering the season just like like a soft launch. 
<laughs> yeah, it does feel that way. And I, yeah, there's no hype coming into it at all because there's nothing, like no one's looking forward to anything. You don't get the real big matchups for a few weeks. Yeah, and what we have to end up doing is scrolling on our apps looking for like when's the next interesting matchup. We mm-hmm. get one, um, I think it's Friday. Yeah, when's the... Stanford, Wisconsin is when we get one. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Kansas State Cal, but Cal is bad. No, that's that's maybe UC yeah. Irvine, Oregon, maybe um, that could be interesting. Yeah. But you know, even uh, even those Irvine? kinds yeah, of matchups but... on opening day would be like infinitely better than what we have now. Mm-hmm. It's just hard, especially now that we're like you know we're we're podcasting about Pac-12 basketball. Uh, it, it, it is tough to motivate. Yeah. Like there were a couple times today where I was just like, I might just stop watching yeah luckily like every time i did that and every time i considered it like (laughs) there was something (laughs) compelling happening in one of the games going on to keep uh to help me keep the faith but (laughs) i really wish they would make it an easier i wish i wish they would make it more fun to just sit down and watch basketball for the whole day because it's exciting that college basketball is back yeah a hundred percent Anyway, so hopefully, I don't know, if you're a Pac-12 executive out there who listens to our podcast, uh, please consider that idea. Anything, anything. I think we there's several ideas that you can do other than other than this. I don't know if you've got to give a bonus to a, a Pac-12 team. We'll give you a hundred grand or something to like schedule this game. We'll pay for the bike. If you know, we'll pay for San Diego State to mm-hmm. go out to anything uh, would be preferable to this. Anyway. Let's just get right into a recap of all that went down on opening day in the Pac-12 with the slate that we did have. Greg, go ahead. Take us away. All right. So, yeah, as expected, there really wasn't a ton of excitement today. Uh, UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and Utah blew out their opponents by massive margins. Uh, Big games from Jalen Clark, uh, Azulis Tabellis, Nafali Dante, and Brandon Carlson in those games. Uh, Wazoo, Stanford, Washington, and Colorado all won by double digits, although with a little bit more struggle than those first three, uh, first four teams. And then uh, ASU struggled mightily with Tarleton, but managed to pull out a 62-59 to win with some impressive late-game defense. USC, though, struggled mightily, and were not able to pull out the win against Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, they ended up losing 74-61. to uh, Cal also got beat uh, 75-65 by UC Davis. Shockingly, they have not improved after losing their best player from last year. <laughs> um, uh, finally, Oregon State has not finished playing as of recording time. Carlos, how are they doing? Uh, it is actually, they just tied it up with five minutes, 30 seconds to really? go. Yeah, uh, really? It was a tie oh, ball man, game with Tulsa. Fun. Where was Tulsa coming into Ken Palm at the end of last year? Were they any good? I don't actually you said know. They were kind I remember of higher, just higher saying level. That. I wasn't sure. Well, the reason I said that is because they play in the American, right? Yeah, and that's that's a solid conference. Yeah. So they were one fifty three, one fifty third in Kempom entering into. I mean, you know, these are preseason ratings. At the end of last season, they were probably something close to that, one seventy one. Uh, they were an eleven. Yeah, that's a higher win level than. Yeah, they were an eleven oh, win team last year. That's not great. So maybe that's they not just great. Had tough losses, but. Maybe not a higher level than most of the other teams people are playing, and uh, maybe not a great sign for Oregon State. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, probably not. Hey, if they can get away with a win, I don't think we're expecting much from Oregon State. So we'll no. Nope. I think we are just hoping they can get closer to ten wins. Yes, at this point. yes. Uh, with with all they got going on. All right. Well, let's talk about some of these specific games, and I and I actually do want to spend a little bit of time talking about USC 
absolutely pooping their pants mm-hmm. against Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Trojans lost, as you said, 74-61. And frankly, the final score does not adequately portray just how much of a blowout this was. USC was down <laughs> 20 at one point, And for an eight-minute stretch in the second half, they did not hit a single field goal. I believe they only hit one three-pointer up until like a, a meaningless buzzer beater from Boogie Ellis at the end. Uh, this was an all-time bad performance. Uh, Greg, did you get to watch this one? And, and what did you think of the outcome and how it went? So there were there were twelve games today, so I wasn't able to watch all of this one. However, I feel like I got I, I was able to catch enough of it that I have a good understanding of what happened. And like did you think any USC players had a good game? Because no. I did not. I thought it was just <clears throat> bad performances up and down the board. Boogie Ellis had nineteen points, and yet I just I don't think he was good either. Like no. he was mostly anonymous. I guess he was just taking the shots because somebody had to, but I, I never felt like it was. I never, I never felt inspired by anyone. I actually thought there were a few moments from Drew Peterson. I think it was mostly just his rebounding, but like there were a few moments where I was like, "Man, it is a good thing they have him and his length," <clears throat> because after losing the bigs last year, uh, you can you can see how much it hurt him. Yeah, just with how they struggle on the boards, how they struggle basically in every facet of the game. It's very concerning for them. Yeah, this is troubling i mean this is a really horrific this is the worst way you could start off the season uh you're right boogie ellis was their only real source of offense but he was not uh he was not good don't let his line fool you he had 19 points three rebounds three assists Mm -hmm. two steals uh he he also shot five for 13 from the floor and three for six but really two for five from three because again the last one was like a wide open buzzer beater that uh florida gulf coast gave them gave him uh, it was not a good game from him. He he mostly disappeared. And Drew Peterson, to your point, uh, I thought he had some moments, but he mostly was. Where was he? Uh, especially offensively, offensively, he wasn't there. Like non-existently, yeah. non-existent. Um, despite being their best player offensively, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely their most skilled and their most talented. We saw at the end of last year, like he just went on a heater. He was he was he was invisible he was invisible for most of this game yeah anonymous only took six shots uh truly insane if you're the best most skilled player and you have all of the Mm -hmm. athletic and physical advantages over your opponents that was um it was terrible it was terrible and on top of that uh 15 turnovers for usc super sloppy offensive uh offensive performance and frankly their inability to hit shots or create easy shots for themselves is a problem that dates back to last year that's how they got knocked out by Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't have Isaiah Mobley. Yeah. Who was by far their best creator last year. I was hoping Reese Dixon Waters would uh, take a step this season, but uh, was not a it was not a encouraging first game from him. Uh, he went one for five. He only played 19 minutes, and uh, he just looked like, he didn't look good. <laughs> I don't think he deserved more minutes than he got. No. Uh, it was a, overall just a, a horrific a, a horrific performance from everyone involved. Again, 15 turnovers, not able to create a shot themselves for themselves at all. Uh, they went into an offensive drought and never came out of it. I actually thought defensively mm-hmm. they were like, okay. I did not think they were terrible defensively, but they had absolutely nothing going offensively. And again, like you're saying, 
Isaiah Mobley, how much of the offense? Well, he wasn't just their primary scorer, um, their primary big man. He was their primary, primary playmaker, facilitator. their facilitator, led the team in assists, led the team in assist uh, assist rate. <laughs> they they desperately needed someone to step up like that, and they had no one. Um, so Andy Enfield gets a horrible against his former team. Uh, they, USC were 19 and a half point favorites against Andy Enfield's old team back in 2013, where, which is really when Andy Enfield got this USC job, right? From that one tournament run he had mm-hmm. with Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, and they, they pooped their pants, absolutely shat themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, very funny. I mean, it was extremely funny. Very bad for the Pac 12. This is their fifth best very, team. Very, very bad. Yeah. The Pac 12. Just looking up and down the board, I'm not encouraged from what I saw. I don't think the conference <laughs> is going to... I think the conference might be worse than it was last year. It might be. Uh, Sometimes... Because mm-hmm. the top is obviously worse. You're not going to have teams that, like... You're not going to have three top 10 teams at once every year, which is fine. And obviously, USC didn't end up being a top 10 team, but the fact that it happened at the same time uh, was very impressive. This year, I don't think we're going to have that, and I don't think the middle of the conference is substantially better. Right. I I think that's right. I think not having uh, Arizona as sort of a dominant team with the Although talent we'll they get lost. to them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to them. But anyway, uh, a couple more. One more, really, just a, real quick. I actually watched zero seconds of this game. <laughs> Zero. I'll be- never believe this. <laughs> I also watched zero seconds of. But we got to talk about it because, like, first we of all, we to, know, yeah. we just know, Cal <laughs> lost to UC Davis, seventy-five to sixty-five. Second year in a row now that they've lost to another UC school that was not UCLA in their season opener. <laughs> oh, uh, bad, bad, bad. Uh, they shot just thirty-eight percent from the field to UC Davis is forty-eight percent. Cal. Uh, was uh, apparently horrendous offensively. Again, we watched zero percent of this game. <laughs> <laughs> good game from uh, good game from Lars Thyman. Uh, you know, love to see that picking up the torch from Andre Kelly. Uh, Andre Kelly, their best player from last year, may be gone, but you know the spirit. His spirit lives on in one good player on an otherwise dreadful team. Yeah, uh, this is this team is going to be horrific i think they're going to be like the colorado of the colorado football you mean oregon state oh oh, colorado football i think they're gonna be the colorado football of 2022 2023 pac-12 basketball yeah uh devin ask you i sort of wrote in my preview that like this was the only real like bright spot if he could figure some stuff out Uh, like maybe cal might steal a few games here and there and you know maybe he was gonna he, he numbers don't look great no numbers are bad 19 points off seven for 20 shooting uh three turnovers it, one for six from three not a, a good showing from from their most talented player i mean devin ask you if i remember correctly like was highly recruited out of high school a couple of years ago went to was it kentucky and then to mm-hmm. texas I think kentucky and then texas yeah and yeah yeah and not now look at, at either of those places did not I, I don't know based on this line I, I doubt that that seven for 20 is uh an anomaly for him so i mean it's a good thing they have somebody who can take 20 shots but like <laughs> yeah i guess because someone has to take them it's true but it's not making them better <laughs> yeah it's true um so cal loses to uc davis i i talked about this in my uh preview on patreon they're gonna be bad they're gonna be so 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 mm-hmm. so bad 
they just lost a ton of players that had a pulse. Grant Antisevich, Andre Kelly, you know, a, a number of those guys, and brought no one really of any substance in. Devin Askew's it, and even then, it's like you're banking on a guy who like has not had a good season at all in his very hyped career. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they're in trouble. Mark Fox, his job, he should be on the hot seat. Uh, he absolutely should be hot on the hot seat. Uh, this is bad, 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 bad. Uh, and frankly, like I don't know what. Let's look at the Ken Palm for Ken Palm rating here for UC Davis. Uh, Davis is 221st in Ken Palm coming into this season. Uh, they won 13 games last year. What were they last year? Davis was 209th. So like they are not good. Uh, I don't think they'll be good at all. Um, I, from from the things that I've just seen here and there, and that. You know, it doesn't get much easier for Cal. They got to play Kansas State, who, I don't know, maybe they're not good, maybe they are, but, like, they're a power six basketball team. Uh, they play at UC San Diego, which, uh, not good. Lost that one last year. Lost it last year. Yeah. Now it's on the road. Uh, Southern, I don't know where Southern, in, uh, Southern is. Uh, Texas State, TCU, USC. I don't know that this is a very um, promising slate for them. I'd be curious to see if, do you think they win a game? I think they win a game before conference season. Oh. Yeah, I guess. I think they won one that was surprising to us last year. Yeah. But uh, I do think they are on the 2021 or 2021-2022 uh, Oregon State path yeah. of just really sucking a lot. Are we putting are we putting Cal on quit watch? I think you have to. I mean, it's totally possible. They've got a coach who's been there for a while and just really – has been uninspiring the entire time. They got worse over the off season. They're they just lost a bye game. There's zero reason to have any hope for them. <laughs> yeah. They got to be on quit watch. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, you got to put them on quit watch. Uh, well, again, here we are in a basketball episode talking way too much about Cal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but not, we didn't watch any of this game, and we've talked a ton about them. <laughs> I know, I know, but just just because like we knew that they were going to be so yeah, bad. They're bad. Um, I'm, I don't regret not watching that. <laughs> yeah, you probably... I don't either. Uh, just so you know, Oregon State just took a six-point lead here with two and a half minutes oh, to go. So I was going to stick them in here because they were down, what, like 15, They were down 20. by like almost 20 at halftime. Yeah, yeah. it was ugly. Uh, but here they are now, 7-0 run. They're up six, so we'll keep you updated on that as we, uh, as we, uh, as we watch and as this show progresses. Okay. Let's talk about some positive stuff. We talked about two teams that absolutely shat themselves. Let's talk about the rest of these games, the rest of the teams that did play. Who of the teams that did play today impressed you the most? I think there are three real candidates. Uh, Arizona, Oregon, Utah. I'll take Arizona first because that offense is just so impressive. Uh, The way they score, I think... I, at the very least, I don't remember how you felt about it, but I think I underrated what Tommy Lloyd would bring to uh, what Tommy Lloyd would bring to Arizona. Like we saw it last year, how good they were, but I think we attributed a lot of that to the talent too. Whereas this year they lost the talent and they scored 117 points in this game. Like they still might be a top 10 offense in college basketball this year, which is absurd after what they lost. Like Tommy Lloyd is a, is a magician. Um, and of course, you know, their scoring is going to be inflated by the pace they play, but you know, playing that pace suits them better than it suits most teams that they'll play. So obviously they should keep doing it and it's a good thing. 
Uh, Pella Larson looks like he took a step. Uh, it was a very good game from him. Uh, five of nine shooting, 16 points, 10 rebounds, which is going to be big losing Coloco. Uh, they need guys to step up there. Uh, Omar Balo, I thought, also looked really good. Uh, he just is stronger than everybody else on the court, and I wonder how much of that will change when you stop playing uh, teams like Nichols and you start playing uh, the real challengers. Uh should be interesting. Azulis Tabellis looked incredible. Uh, 10 of 12, 23 points. He just has an incredible amount of skill for a big man. Uh, so, yeah, Arizona was really impressive. Yeah, they were... Uh, they it, In the first frame of this game they went up like 30 to 4 and it's like oh my god it was 30 to 4 it was it i felt so bad for nichols they (laughs) blitz them um they now nichols you know fought back in the second frame i think here in ken palm in the second quarter quarter you know these games are in halves but Mm -hmm. in the second quarter of this game the final 10 minutes of the first half uh, they were even. Arizona scored 27 points to Nicole State, uh, 26. But by that time you get to 34, it's like the game's over. Um, yeah. I, I will say that breakneck pace that they go at, uh, they've like perfected mm-hmm. it. It's like, like, I'm not sure how many times you caught it, but it was like someone's leading the break and there's like three or four like lightning quit packs, like boom, 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 boom. Everybody knows exactly where to go. Yes. Uh, and it's like, they, they get easy shots in transition, no matter what the situation is. It, it was really, really impressive. Again, it's the goal state. Like I get it. Um, mm-hmm. but it was still impressive to watch them move the ball in transition the way that they did. That was cool. Um, now they had a ton of turnovers. Of course, that's going to be inflated. Like you said, uh, on the pace I'm, i gotta go back and look at some of the adjusted turnover rate but 24 is still pretty high no matter how many you know yeah. how many possessions you're getting so i'm sure that's that's something that they're, they're gonna clean up but you know i think this year they're going to struggle more when teams get them out of that pace like when they play a ucla that will not want to play that fast uh I think that is going to cause problems for them because they don't have the guys to to score quite as easily in a half-court offense. But because they are so well coached and because they all understand what they're supposed to do so well and they do it and they do it at such a high level, uh I don't think they're going to have a problem beating the teams that are worse than them. And so I think they're well on their way to a great record. Yeah. It's going to like you said it's going to be interesting when they play like good teams because you know, mm-hmm. there's questions around can Umar Omar Balo play the role of Christian Coloco? I don't think it's a one for one. And there's probably like Omar Balo is probably like a bigger, stronger guy, which is kind of crazy because Christian Coloco is stronger. But I also yeah. Omar Balo kind of looks slow out there too, like compared to Christian Coloco. Mm-hmm. His thing, he's just he can jump, which is very important when you need a guy to be a lob threat. Uh, and he's just incredibly strong. Like he'll be the strongest player on the court no matter who they're playing. Uh, so they've got that going for him, but there is going to be, I think, some drop off defensively because Coloco's length and I think his instincts mm-hmm. were really good on that end, and offensively too, in that he just was a fantastic screener and roller, and I think Balo can match that a little bit better than he can the defense, but I, I do think there will be some drop off, and Tabellus is going to have to pick up a lot of the slack there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Tabellus, had an, a really great game, maybe one of his best games as uh, as a Wildcat. Uh, what was his line? I just had it here. Um, he scored. Oh, I just lost it. 
Uh, he scored 23 points off, uh, what was this, 10 for 12 from two, 12, 10 for 12 shooting, uh, had seven rebounds, six assists, two blocks, a steal. He had all kinds of stuff going on. I thought he had a, a really great game. Uh, it just felt like he was much more aggressive than I think we've seen him play normally, especially last year. And maybe that's because he knows he has to be, uh, he has to step up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it has to be that kind of guy. Uh, Kirk Risa, pretty good. I, I felt, definitely played well within himself. He was not going crazy and shooting <laughs> like insane shots that, uh, you know, we saw him, we got so accustomed to last year. Um, his line doesn't look that great. It's not super flashy, but nine points. I thought it was a it was a good Kirk Creasy game. Yeah, only took three shots. Didn't need to take any more shots. Got the seven assists. Uh, you know he is. I still think their best facilitator. Uh, and he got to the line. Yeah. So good on him. Good on him. And their freshman Adama Ball also played pretty well. He had fourteen points, uh, four for five shooting. Uh, had three rebounds to go himself. So yeah, good good play from he the guard. He can step up. That could be the. Uh, the thing that really takes them close to where they were last year is if a demo ball is great from the get-go. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, for me, I'm going to say I'm. it's tough for me to say. I think from start to finish, it's somewhere between uh, it's somewhere between Utah and UCLA for me, and we'll talk about those teams in depth, I think, at the end. I'll say Oregon. I did not watch much of this game, but was tracking it. Oregon mm-hmm. kind of got out to a 10, 15-point lead somewhat early. Um, they got contributions from all over the place. Uh, I, I thought uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew seemed to have a pretty good game um, in his debut. He's coming from Colorado. He had 13 points, 4 for 10 shooting. And Folly Dante... He had 16 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double, uh, 7 for 11 shooting. So I was just tracking the score of this game. and Or Florida and and I'm never threatened. You know, I was like watching the Washington State game, um, and it felt like in the first half they were really struggling with Texas State. They pulled away later on. Um, but, like, yeah, I did watch this one, and I agree with you. Florida and I'm never look close to threatening. Yeah, what did you think about Oregon? What did you see when you were watching them? So I am not impressed with their guard play. Uh Will Richardson did not have a great game, mm-hmm. and I've never liked Keyshawn Bartholomew. I still don't really like Keyshawn <laughs> Bartholomew. Like he does some things well. He's he's like definitely a positive player, but I don't think he can be one of your best players if you're going to be a really good team. However, Oregon's bigs are, are they're just going to be so hard to match up with for any team because they've got three seven footers. Uh, Nafali Dante was so good in this game. Uh, clearly the best player on the floor head and shoulders above everyone else and then khalil where he is exciting uh like i think he'll i think he'll be an nba first round pick uh he's got some insane athleticism and the ability to make some great plays and then nate biddle is uh a seven footer who can protect the rim and he can he can step out and shoot which is going to be big because that means he can play with one of the other two bigs too and so when you've got two seven footers on the floor, it's going to be just it's going to make it very hard for other teams to rebound and to score uh, when you've got that kind of size. So I think I was encouraged by Oregon in this game, even with a bad Will Richardson game. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You need those. You need these sorts of uh, uh, confidence builders, especially after the way they started and finished last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was not good. Um, I was impressed with Utah. I was impressed with UCLA. I thought I, we'll talk about those in depth. I have a segment just for you and me, Greg. 
um, since we're since fantastic we're here. <laughs> talking about those two teams. Uh, Colorado did did fine. Uh, I was watching that score. wasn't really able to watch much of that game. They were they were comfortably ahead of Riverside. It seemed like so. Javon, Javon Howdley uh, saw Colorado fans talking about him a lot. I'm excited to see him for the rest of the year. Uh, he is their guard. He went. He had 16 points, eight rebounds, three assists, six for 12 shooting. Uh, pretty good line. So shout out to him. We'll see how much of that goes. Didn't get a ton from uh, Tristan De Silva. Uh, KJ Simpson had a great game in that one too. Look like so. KJ Simpson. I think that is the more exciting part of this. Is five of ten, one of two from three, three assists, three rebounds. Like that's a good game. That's what you want from a starting point guard. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a solid game from Colorado. Nothing special, but nothing to be discouraged about. Makes sense. All right. Well, uh, any other teams you're impressed with? Uh, not not particularly. I thought it was a underwhelming underwhelming game a day for a lot of teams yeah well all right well let's get into it uh let's let's talk a little bit about of the teams that did that did actually win their games are there any that you're really what's what's one team that you're really concerned about uh you know we had some pretty close wins against some ostensibly bad teams so are you are you panicking about any of the winning teams (laughs) so the obvious answer is asu however i'm not gonna say them because who is going to come out here except for, except for Reed? Reed thought they'd be good, but like, <laughs> but Reed's, Reed's we all kind yeah. of like <laughs> nobody was surprised when we got <laughs> midway through this game and ASU was losing. You yes. know, like I I was unsurprised by that. What was concerning to me was the Stanford Pacific game. Stanford ended up winning that one by ten points, but we saw the same things that have played Stan- plagued Stanford for years. The turnovers were brutal. Like fifteen, I guess, is not an egregious number. It's bad, but it's it you know could be worse. But it's just like as that game was going, especially early in the game, I thought they got out to a high number of turnovers just so early, and that's why Pacific stayed in the game. If you're going to be doing that against a Pacific, I'm really worried for what you're going to do against the better teams. And they were saved because. Uh, Michael Jones, the transfer from Davidson, had a fantastic game, 25 points from him. Uh, and he didn't do it on particularly unsustainable shooting, so that's kind of encouraging. But like 31, actually. 31? Did I totally? Oh, yeah, 31, 31. 31 off 9 for 15 from the floor. Like, I mean, that's a good shooting game. Yeah. But like, he only went 3 for 8 from 3, which is like, he's a good shooter. He'll do that most of the time. So that was encouraging. Uh, what I was worried about is Harrison Ingram, while he had six assists, I think he he had four turnovers, which is too many. Uh, and I was really hoping he'd have cleaned that up. And the rest of them, there's like a bunch of players with two turnovers, and you could feel it as the game went. It felt like every, it was one step or two steps forward, one step back with, uh, with Stanford. And it, it worries me that they will not be as good as I thought they would be. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> I talked about this extensively on the timeline. Oh, by the way, final score, uh, Oregon State, 73, Tulsa, 70. So the B- Hell yeah. B- B- believe it comes away with a win. Good for them. Uh, first, Pretty much yeah, the first time this them. collection of players are playing together, considering that everyone else left. Yeah, that is unmitigated win. Moral victory as well as a real victory. Yeah, that's right. Um, but about... Uh, who are we talking about? Stanford. Uh, Stanford. Yeah. About Stanford. Uh, yeah. The the turnovers plague them. The and it's not like they're playing at some breakneck pace like Arizona, where it's like you know 
it's the number of possessions equals the number of turnovers, like increases the number of turnovers, like nothing like that. It was just really sloppy play. Now it could be like first game jitters, I guess, but I, I don't know. They've had plenty of opportunities to try to figure this stuff out. They've got a ton of continuity that like a ton of players coming back between Harrison Ingram and James Keefe and Spencer Jones. Uh, is it Spencer Jones? They have, they have another Jones coming back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, Spencer Jones and Michael Jones is the two. Uh, Raynaud, uh, like I feel like they've got a they've got a ton of players coming back, and Harrison Ingram in particular being the best player, and the fact that they all seem to have maybe regressed a little bit from the end of last season is a bad sign. Uh, it's not good. Uh, th- this game was sloppy. It was ugly. Pacific, uh, I thought, was not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but they had a couple of guys go off. Stanford sort of let them go off. Uh, I think this was Jordan Ivy Curry. Uh, they let him get 23 points off nine for 17 shooting. It was it was just an ugly, sloppy, disgusting game that was really brought on by, again, Stanford's insane petulance for turnovers uh, and the inability to take care of the ball, which I think is a direct result of coaching, uh, whether that's developing mm-hmm. players to be able to take care of the ball or... Yeah, we've seen it game. long enough yeah. that it's you, you have to blame coaching. Right. Uh, it's gone on long enough. So Stanford's a good one. Uh, they they do not look good. We'll see. Maybe well, they, their next test is Wisconsin. So we are going to see very early on. Uh, it's in Madison also. So we're going to see very, oh, very early tough. on if uh, they have any any sort of medal. Uh, a team, I mean, you're right. Arizona State, it's like, are we concerned about them? Like, I guess, but we're kind of in a perpetual state of concern about them. I was not at all impressed with them. I think Washington is the other one. Now, they pulled away late against Weber State. They had a better performance, I think. You know, I watched tiny tidbits of this game. Uh, They performed better than um, Stanford did against Pacific. But, you know, they got some pretty inefficient games from from some players. Uh, Keon Brooks had 20 points but needed uh, 15 shots to do it. Six for 15 from the from the floor one for five from three uh you know they didn't really noah williams the transfer from washington state we talked about him a lot last year Mm -hmm. he was again kind of disappeared uh so that that wasn't great i don't know uh washington we don't have very high expectations of them i know they have a, a pretty good roster but but also i think we're not expecting them to to make any sort of real waves so i guess it's like i'm concerned about them but i'm not you know, I don't really have mm-hmm. high expectations for them to begin with. So I didn't watch, I wasn't able to watch this game because Utah was playing at the same time and then UCLA was playing and I was switching between those two games. Sure. But uh, Frank Kepning transferred from Oregon. I saw Dewey, a Washington fan, saying he liked him. Not, he, the, the stat line for him looks really weird. Eight rebounds, five fouls, three points, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a like, line three blocks and a steal did, too what, what a weird oh, yeah, line that, yeah. i didn't notice that <laughs> bizarre line i wonder uh, how many minutes he got we gotta go back watching and look him did you uh he had 25 minutes okay so that's more than i thought when i first saw it i thought it was 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> so looks like a line that you get in 15 minutes he had 10 yeah. extra minutes he got three points and eight rebounds and a steal and three blocks jesus uh really uh, filled it up were, there. were you were you impressed by him or did you notice him or I didn't really notice him or watch him. You know, I watched so little of it. You're right. It's like I was more so locked yeah. into Utah and UCLA uh, a little bit at the end towards the Arizona Nicole State game. You know, there's a lot of games happening, so I don't really pay attention to those two. 
Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, what's Washington's next game? Washington gets to play North Florida. Uh, they get Utah Tech. They get Cal Baptist. The real test probably won't come until, I mean, who knows? Maybe Washington will be tested in any of those. But uh, their real sort of game against a not uh, horrible dog shit program, I don't think their horrible dog shit is Fresno State. Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't know really think mm, about Fresno State yeah. basketball. Uh, yeah, I'd say those are it. I think we covered we covered the games that the teams that we're concerned about, even though they won. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Greg, you know me. I love a ranking. So uh, after after these games went, I put together my Pac-12 basketball rankings based only on one game. So I did not consider preseason stuff. Uh, I tried to tune that out. I did not consider talent. None of that. So here's what I have. Uh, I've ranked them into tiers, as I normally do. So tier one, I said elite openers. I have one, Arizona. Two, UCLA. Three, Oregon. Four, Utah. Five, Wazoo. Any quips? Yeah. So, if you're just counting the opener, I don't know how you have UCLA at two. I did not think it was particularly impressive for them. Mm -hmm. I thought it was just like, yeah, fine. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Part of that's (laughs) expectations, I think. Yeah. I guess part of that's expectations, but like, I mean. Yeah. It wasn't super great. Defensively, they were not good. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, when Mac at T- when Mackie Tien left the floor, I saw you tweeting out. I saw David Woods tweeting about it, and I noticed it when I was watching. Uh, interior defense is a problem. They need uh, a Dempona back with a quickness. Um, and then Washington State, I think, deserves to be with tier two Mm. uh i don't think they had a performance at the level of the top four not and i'm not saying that utah is a top four team but in this just ranking on performances i think utah is in that top tier yeah i think that's that's right okay so then tier two i have u1 be happy i have six colorado seven UW. like yeah that was good fine u1 who cares um uh, tier three, I just put here, uh, okay. <laughs> Eight, Stanford. Yeah. Nine, ASU. Ten, USC. And uh, 11, Oregon State. God, now that I'm reading this. Obviously, you, now that we now know that, Oregon State, yes. they they should be up. But, like, you know, when you wrote this, uh, they were down by a 20, lot. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm. You get a pass on that yeah, one. Yeah, USC probably Otherwise, does belong, I guess, in 11. Technically, they had the worst, but I. Uh, I, I saved a special tier for call for Cal. Uh, I call yeah. tier four nuclear trash. Cal. I think, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like with USC, you at least have some like reason to think it could be better. And there were some moments during, uh, their game where, okay, okay. I can see like, yeah, what a good game might look like from USC. Now we didn't watch Cal. However, <laughs> did we need to? <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> what reason is there to believe that cal will be getting better none i would hope not nothing i, I wonder if we'll get any mad cal fans that are like you hate cal blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like i don't know dude do you do you, you like cal? hate cal too yeah, cal fans. Yeah, exactly um all right but mostly you agree with those sounds like yeah yeah i think it's a good ranking all right cool so there's there's that. All right, hey, let's talk a little bit about UCLA and Utah. We're fans of both of these teams. Uh, we watch these games mm-hmm. very very closely. So Greg, tell us a little bit about how Utah looked tonight against Long Island. It was a very exciting game, very fun game for me as a Utah fan. Now I'm not sure if this is backed up with like any statistics or if it's just uh, 
vibes, but I thought they played at like a higher pace than last year's Utah teams did, which is good because this Utah team still is going to struggle with some of the same things. Um, they scored 89 points, which is great. That's not something last year's team I think was good at doing. And the big difference that I saw is just the depth is much better this year. Uh, last year's bench was just terrible. It felt like within three games of like the start of last season, Utah had seven guys they could play and it was brutal. It was horrible to watch. Uh, it felt like those seven guys were just hanging on by a thread the entire time. And they were always tired because they couldn't get any rest. Uh, this year, Utah has right now, like, let me count one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. There's like nine guys that I really like, Mm. which is much better. Uh, and the starting lineup in this game was especially impressive. Brandon Carlson looked incredible in the post. He could just, it was, there were, he had so many moves to go to, which was fantastic. Defensively, he did what he does is just be a presence in the paint uh, and deter shots. Uh, his shooting is, of course, an asset. His rebounding looks like it's improved a little bit. And that, along with the addition of Ben Carlson, while Ben Carlson did nothing offensively and he missed every shot he took, it was fine because he got 11 rebounds, and that is something that Utah, I think, was really missing last year is just having a guy who is there to get rebounds is going to be so valuable for them because, I mean, Brandon Carlson, I love him, but rebounding is something he struggles with. Uh, and the newcomers, aside from Ben Carlson, were really exciting. Mike Saunders, I thought, was fantastic. He had 11 points, was 3 for 4, had 2 assists. But it's just the quickness that he plays with is something that nobody else on Utah has. And it was super exciting. Just the way he can make things happen because he's going to beat everybody with his first step. Uh, and that's a very valuable skill. Keba uh, Keda is a freshman center. And, oof, man, he could be really, really good if he just improves like his defensive awareness. Like, Well, not awareness, but... A lot of great young centers struggle with foul trouble, uh, just attacking rebounds, attacking blocks. They get too excited or they just don't know when to fully commit and when not to, and it'll lead to fouls, and that happened with him. He had like three fouls in his first two minutes of play in this game, but when he is not sitting on the bench because of foul trouble, he is an exciting player because he can just really get up there, block shots. He goes after rebounds. He's like very athletic. I think he's going to be a great player for Utah. Uh, and like even in this game, he played 12 minutes. He had six points, four, uh, <laughs> four fouls, three rebounds. And let's see, how many blocks did he have? Because I felt like there were a few. He had f- three blocks, three blocks in those 12 minutes. And they were emphatic. They were fun to watch. Uh, and then there is... Uh, Wilgins exact, uh, who apparently struggled in Utah scrimmage, went over five from three, but he was, he had a good shooting day in this one, four of eight, two of three from three, uh, for 12 points. And I don't think he's like anything special, but he is a player. He's a body that they can go to that I think will be dependable. And that is going to be very nice to have. It's not something they had very much of last year. And if he grows a bit, he could be a very nice piece. So I am excited about Utah coming away from this one. I, I checked in on this one a little bit. 
Uh, yeah, Mike Saunders. I mean, first of all, uh, Utah's not like wholly very athletic, but they got more athletic. I think Mike Saunders is mm-hmm. looks pretty fast and quick. Uh, you know, he's a he's like six two. It, it really feels like he he moves super quickly. Uh, and Kabakati, you're right. He stuck out to me as being just as like a, a, a big, imposing, athletic guy that was all over the place, just in the little bit that I saw. So. Yeah, it, it feels like, you know, maybe Utah might have an okay season. Um, you know, I don't know what that means. I think they'll probably finish above 500. I think that is entirely I think, play. yeah. The NIT is the goal, I think. If you can get there, it will be wholly a successful season. I don't think, like, this team still isn't close to a tournament team because uh, they're still lacking in offensive creation. They're still lacking in athleticism overall and probably still lacking in shooting. But they are going to be so much more watchable than they were last year. Yeah. They, they definitely look much better. Uh, all right, my turn. Talk a little bit about UCLA. Uh, UCLA beat Sacramento State uh, by a score of, why am I having a hard time finding this? 76 to 50. 76 to 50. This one, not particularly close. Early on, I think there were some struggles. Uh, we saw uh, some, some very strange decisions here from Mick Cronin around starting Kenneth Nuba. Kenny Nuba uh, did not look great early on. Felt like the interior defense, you mentioned this, was not there. Uh, it, felt like, <laughs> it felt like there also was not any uh, offensive creation or ability to go inside offensively early on. They figured some stuff out. Mac Etienne came in immediately, uh, a major improvement defensively for UCLA. Offensively, yeah, he needs some work. He uh, likes to, he likes the, uh, the the back down the sort of uh, mm. <laughs> like old school low post game a little bit too much for my liking but well, it was not bad um, I thought that he did a really nice job of trying to stay aware and staying active and contesting shots uh, did that a couple of times so that that was that the big I think the big story here is Jalen Clark Jalen Clark looked awesome he had seventeen points seven for seven perfect seven for seven shooting. Uh, tonight against Sac State, uh, had eight rebounds, four assists, turned over the ball a fair amount, but also had seven steals. Um, so and a block. Wow, it was yeah, the seven <laughs> steals game. were insane. Uh, it, like it just he's he's all he's all over the place defensively. He's I'll just say he's UCLA's best player on both sides of the ball. I I mean I I know he does not he is not being trusted to create his own shots yet. But I think he can. He did a couple of times. He had this nice little Euro step uh, sometime in the first half. It felt like he was able to do some stuff with the ball in his hands. I think he needs to be given some more uh, responsibilities in terms of handling the ball. Uh, so he, he looked incredible all over the place. Tiger Campbell uh, looked pretty good. I think that he kind of struggled with his shooting, but I, it also felt like he was trying to be more aggressive with his, um, with his approach. It felt like he was trying to create his own shots, which is kind of an interesting, uh, move. I thought he's actually, I, I he didn't shoot well. He was four for 10, but like, I thought he was actually pretty good at it. If he's six for 14. Oh yeah, you're right. He was uh six for 14. That is pretty good. Uh, I did. I was looking just at his two point shots. Uh, and and it did look like his two point shot. Sometimes it was like, oh, he just missed like a, a jumper that was somewhat contested. Maybe taking some bad shots here and there. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, Tiger Campbell as a 
someone who's creating his own shots pretty good i was kind of impressed with that i kind of loved it um I, i'd like to see what it looks like when he's distributing the ball but who knows maybe someone else is going to yeah. take that role or maybe they need tiger campbell to be a shot maker losing sort of jules bernard and johnny juzang maybe he's going to be the one who steps up and takes some of those shots uh jaime Haquez had 14 points uh seven rebounds two assists uh he he looked pretty good i he had his moments that was a little quiet uh, a little more quiet this game than he has in previous games still a, a defensive nightmare i think he's just sort of like he's so consistently good that we we kind of forget that he's there uh and the freshmen uh mostly amari bailey and uh to a lesser extent dylan andrews mostly stead out of the way um i don't know that uh I, like Amari Bailey definitely got up his shots and had some had a brutal shooting night. Although I know it looks like he went five, he went five for ten, but it felt like I don't know much of that came in garbage time. I felt like he was not uh, ah. hitting shots. But I will say uh, they didn't do much, especially Amari Bailey. But I kind mm-hmm. of thought that was good uh, that he that they played within himself. It just reminds me of like Peyton Watson trying to do too much last year, right? It's like yeah, and you know Mick doesn't like that. <laughs> and Amari Bailey was just like, all right, I'm gonna play my role. I'm gonna try to get maybe dribble Very a good. little bit too much there. Um, but you know he was he was he was okay. Uh, I don't I, I defensively, I think he probably needs some work, but um, wasn't bad. So overall, whatever. I mean, Sac State UCLA is not gonna get a test themselves until I don't know. I guess if you count Long Beach State, but really illinois um on november 18th they play them uh on a neutral site probably some one of these tournament thingies uh in las vegas uh do they still have uh you know if they still have kofi cockburn uh his name is kofi coburn <laughs> but i believe <laughs> i'm calling him kofi cockburn that's insane it doesn't make any sense is it how do you spell his name greg <laughs> c-o-c-k-b-u-r-n yeah. it's spelled cockburn yeah. it is spelled cockburn but it's pronounced coburn <laughs> i mean uh, come on <laughs> it's very funny uh it's like uh michael penix from from football yeah yeah <laughs> uh no i guess they don't uh Kof- yeah, i think he's gone Kofi's, uh, fr- is alfonso Plummer still there Let's look. Is he still there? Um, Do I still have to live with that? <laughs> it does not appear so, based on what I have good, here. Good, good, That's um, good. Alfonso Plummer, Alfonso Plummer. He's playing in Puerto Rico, so no. Oh, uh, good for him. Oh, no, he's not uh, playing in Puerto Rico. He's playing in, in Mexico for the G- NBA G League. Didn't even oh, know the G League cool. had a Mexico team. Yeah, a Mexico City team. It's cool. Fascinating. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. So Mackie Tien in the UCLA game, I thought. <laughs> it was a funny game. I didn't realize he was so bad offensively. <laughs> um, because everything I was seeing on Twitter and every time I turned over, it was like, okay, so Mackie Tien is clearly the better option than Kenny Nuba. Uh, like defensively, he had uh, four blocks and... Uh, I just happened to see all of them when I was switching <laughs> over. It was like every time I switched over, he's getting a block, uh, and he was an actual presence uh, in the paint. One for nine offensively, though. Like, did it actually look that bad, or is this just, you know, an unflattering number? No, I think it looked that bad. I think he uh, relied a little bit too much. Again, just sort of relying a little bit on uh, on a post game dribbling a little bit too long had his back to the basket for the vast majority of the times. It wasn't big enough to be physical and try to get his own position. There's that one point he had this bizarre sort of back to the basket possession and like took a hook shot from like eight feet out. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, things like that. He had a jump shot. I was like, I didn't know he had that in his bag. Turns out he did not. 
Um, so uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that he's any great shakes offensively. It, it's going to be interesting UCLA center rotation because after like Mac Etienne is the best option right now. Adembona is going to come back and like you're relying on a freshman. Uh, What's the deal with his injury? Like it's not an injury. He's like uh, oh. he actually I think he's Turkish, right? Uh, Adembona. Oh, is he? yeah. So he play he's playing for the the a turkish league or the turkish national team or something and so they to release his eligibility the team wants like some sort of stipend or something uh something like that that's what i had been hearing i don't know i don't have like the super detailed stuff but um it has something to do with his uh his play in turkey so uh yeah i i I don't know weird stuff i think i don't know there's some chattering that he'll be ready by the long beach state game don't know if that's true don't know how much how long it'll be i will say they desperately need him um and they need apparently yeah i'm seeing there's a press release from the team stated he would return to action when the bruins host long beach state on friday okay i hope so so. if the team said it i feel like there's good odds he plays yeah good so uh yeah dumb ncaa rules uh on this Mm -hmm. one i think i don't know what the rules are from the ncaa that they need um they need something so who knows? It's all rumors at this point, but they need him. They need him. The point is uh, they need someone who's going to be able to play good defense and, and be some sort of offensive presence, even if it's a lob threat. Uh, Mac Etienne even had a moment where one of his missed shots was a dunk attempt that he just did not, oh. he did not get high up for enough. Uh, he just, <laughs> it wasn't just that he, he missed really it. Have. It was that he did not really get high enough to make the dunk. <laughs> uh, which is sad because he's coming off an acl and you want to see him have some of that athleticism back but that pop yeah yep. anyway that's it right. that's our show thanks so much for tuning in to pack 12 shooting hoops discourse remember football episodes drop mondays at 5 a.m pacific our hoops episodes drop tuesdays 5 a.m pacific we've got patreon content in the meantime we've got twitter discourse we mm. got it all so before we go mm-hmm. i want to mention uh we have with football the pack 12 pick em party uh, which is a sheet we have for our patrons where you go in, you pick something to bet on, and we shout out the winner on the main show. For basketball, we are going to be doing a similar thing called uh, Wooden's Weekly Winners. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wooden's Weekly and, Winners, uh, my goodness. That's, that's well, yeah, because we couldn't go to Walton because, you know, he, he sucks. fucking hates homeless people. Yeah. But uh, Wooden's dead, so he can't <laughs> say any. <laughs> I say he is got a problematic, but not like that. Yeah, it's not as bad. Yeah, well, he's dead. He dead. can't do anything more problematic, <laughs> and that's what's important. And uh, yeah, so what we'll do with that is you will pick what you think the uh, team's record will be that week. So, like, there'll be an option for one and one, two and uh, two and zero, oh, zero oh and two. You pick one of those, and we will once again shout out the winner on the main show so we can keep that going through basketball season. Uh, and so that'll be posted close to the same time as the Pac-12 Pick'em Party, so just make sure to check that out. Yeah, great. We'll post that on Twitter and all of our socials and stuff like that. That will be a great way for people to get involved in Pac-12 basketball season. All right, that's it. Until next time, that's Greg. I'm Carlos. Matt, Reed, and Grapes, they're all cowards, but we miss them anyway. Thank you for listening. Remember... There are no truck stops here. Not even Cal. Rumors still and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you choke. The crowd vibes in. The coffee's kicking in my patience. So everything said I'm lonely. Yeah.
a single sex on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green or on the sunny side of the street. And I don't mind if the sun don't shine. Bloody weather suits me fine. Pouring up the best wine on the boat tonight. I think I'll be a superstar. 